Well, good morning, fellow missionaries. How are we doing today? It is good to be here uh, in the house of the Lord with you. I thank the Lord for this opportunity to share from his word. I also want to thank Pastor Chris and Pastor Tim for this invitation. And, um, uh, you know, one, one of the things I like to do whenever I get the opportunity to travel is to worship with a local congregation. Because it's a very grounding experience for me. Because regardless of where you're from, what language you speak, uh, how you look, we all have the same Heavenly Father, so we're part of the same family. You know, we just sang this morning, we are united by His blood. Every one of us seated here has a story. It's got its twists, it's got its turns. But one of the realities of our story as believers is it's a redeemed story. Because in Christ, we are redeemed in Christ, we are connected to each other because that's the story of the Bible. Because that's God's story and it's a story of relationship. It's a story of redemption, it's a story of restoration, and it's a story of renewal. If you go all the way back even to the beginning with, with Adam and Eve, with the creation story, created in the image of God for the mission of God, Imago Dei for Missio Dei, right? And so all of us, that's been the plan all the way. It's like be fruitful, be in relationship with the Lord, live fruitful and fulfilling lives, and represent, image Him everywhere that He puts us. And God retooled with Noah after the flood, Noah's family, same task, be fruitful and multiply image uh, God wherever they were. In uh, Genesis 12, Abraham gets called. Uh, God tells him that I will make you into a great nation and you will be a blessing to many. Israel was called to live under the blessing, under the, sta under the statutes, under the laws of God so that they would live under his blessings. Again, to what? To be a missionary nation to the pagan countries around them. And so, you know, Satan always kept trying to derail uh, that plan with, with rebellion and with sin. But God kept making a way back, kept making a way. And then he sends the ultimate redeemer, the ultimate savior, the ultimate solution through his son, Jesus Christ, through whom we all are redeemed. We all get to be realigned with God. But again, for a purpose, redeemed to represent, to image, to reflect him. That purpose has not changed. And so I think that's the amazing story of, uh, of the Lord. And, you know, the, the key part is it's normally us that have the challenge, right? It's not God. It's us that walk, walk away, walk in rebellion. And God keeps making a way back. God keeps making a way for us to come back to him, never gives up on us. And so this morning, uh, we just read the passage from Isaiah 61. And uh, we're going to look. It's another proof text of, of God being a redeeming God. You know, Isaiah, the, just a little context on the book of Isaiah. Isaiah writes 700 years before the birth of Christ. He writes after the United Kingdom of Israel has been divided post King Solomon's reign. The northern part called Israel with its capital Samaria and the southern part, uh, southern kingdom called Judah with its capital Jerusalem. And Isaiah specifically called to the kingdom of Judah to prophesy to them. Again, Israel was called to live under God's statutes, God's laws, so that they could live under his blessings. And, and they always had a problem with that first part of living according to God's laws and God's statutes. And the people of Judah were the same. They, they were, you know, delving into pagan worship, pagan gods, all of it. And Isaiah was tasked with calling them to, uh, you know, their primary call of falling after God, but also warning them, saying that, hey, if you don't listen, this is going to go south. And so part of that prophecy is the rise of the Babylonian Empire where uh, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, they, they refuse to actually walk according to God's ways and walk in rebellion. They also see the northern kingdom taken by the Assyrians. They still don't change. They walk in their rebellion. And then Isaiah prophesies the Babylonian uh, kingdom rising up. And then Nebuchadnezzar and his army coming in, taking uh, Judah and Jerusalem, and in uh, 586 BC, they are captured. They go into a 70-year captivity. But again, God, the, the redeeming lens of God does not change. 
He still makes a way. And that's part of this prophecy. That's part of the good news of this passage is Isaiah tells them, and this would have been amazing for them to hear, that God will still make a way. Part of Isaiah's prophecy is the rise of the Persian Empire where God would use Cyrus to pave the way back for the people of Israel to come back to their country. And this warning, so that's, that's the setting of just, uh, again, of God's uh, redeeming work all through the story of Scripture. But today we're just going to focus on this passage. And it's Sunday morning, it's a sermon, so I've got to give you three points. And so the first point that I want to make this morning is that true freedom is in the Lord. And I'm going to read verse 1 uh, this morning on that. It says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now, this would have been absolute music to the ears of the, of the Israelites, the people of Judah, because this was their reality, right? Everything that they're banked on, their identity, uh, you know, it, it probably was driven by their, uh, by their faith, by their possessions, by their professions, their learnings, whatever defined them was completely stripped and taken away. And they were in this helpless mode in captivity as refugees, really. And waiting and really helpless and hopeless, I would put it in that sense. And they were, they were in pagan culture. They were being indoctrinated with uh, Babylonian culture, with pagan gods. So they were in a spiritual poverty as well in this setting. Isaiah 59 talks about the environment that they were in. Uh, you know, there was oppression, there was injustice, moral decay, all of it. So it's, it, was, it was an ugly setting that they were in. And in this setting, again, God brings this message of hope saying that, hey, he was, there was good news for them because they were spiritually poor in, in, a, in a pagan setting. You know, they were definitely brokenhearted. You know, 70 years of captivity at some point, uh, you know, hope's going to be gone, purpose is going to be gone because you're probably going to be in a resigned mode. Nothing's going to change. I'm just going to be stuck here. So that was their environment. They were in prison. They were bound. And so this is amazing news for them that God's was gonna, God was going to make a way back for them out of this situation. As he pulled them out of uh, uh, Egypt, he was going to pull them out of Babylon as well. But as I was looking at this passage, two realities hit home for me. And both those realities you and I face. The one first reality that hit home for me with their situation is what got them gets us. So the real reason... For Judah's captivity was not Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. God used Nebuchadnezzar to bring judgment on his people. But it was, again, it was, uh, and Isaiah called them, hey, walk according to God's ways and you're going to be in a good place if not judgment's coming. But it was their rebellion, it was their sin that caused them to go off track, go away from God and brought judgment, which is, you know, captivity, which is brokenheartedness, which is prison, poverty, all of it, Right? And that's the reality for us as well. We were born in, in sin as well. And that's what sin does. It, 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 uh, it puts us in prison. It, put, it makes us captive. It is, does not let go. And normally it starts pretty subtly, right? I mean, if you're looking at, I like to use the analogy of like a GPS system where it tells you take a slight right. And that's what sin does. That's what Satan does. He creates a little doubt. Is God good? We, we've taken that slight right and suddenly we go completely off kilter and we're completely away from God, away from his plans. And what happens when we walk away from God's plans, God's reality, is our hearts are broken, our hope is gone, our purpose is gone. And that's what Satan's plan is always, is to take us away from that. And so what got them gets us. The second part is, you know, anywhere in this passage, I don't see, I don't get confidence when I read this, that the people of Judah, the Israelites, would actually be able to regroup on their own, 
get an army together, get weapons together, and bust out of prison. Get, you know, uh, destroy the Babylonians. Nowhere do I, see, do I get that confidence. And so they needed something. They needed God to pull them out. That was the only way for them to get out. And our situation is the same. It's like we were dead in our sins. And we needed something done for us that we could not do ourselves. Paul says in, uh, in Romans 5 is that we were helpless, but at the right time, God sent his son to die for our sins so that we could be redeemed. In, in Colossians 2, in verse 13, it says, And you who were dead in your trespass and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. And so this chapter, again, is amazingly good news for the people of Judah, but this passage points to the ultimate redeemer, the ultimate savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in him, you and I have freedom from sin. You and, he breaks us out of the prison of sin. He, he gives us, he mends our hearts. He gives us a purpose back. He gives us our identity back. But the primary, the true freedom that we need is the freedom from sin. People of Judah needed it. We needed it. God provided a way for, through the Lord Jesus Christ for us to have that. So praise God for that. The second point I want to uh, make this morning is that true grace is in Christ. I'm going to read verse 2 on that. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And I'm just going to look at the first part, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, the year of the Lord's favor, if you want to get more insight on that, you can, you can read this uh, after church, but it's Leviticus 25. It talks about the year of the Lord's favor, and God gave the Israelites a work plan. They were to work their fields six years, you know, till, plow, soil, uh, and, and harvest. But the seventh year was a year of Sabbath. They had to take a rest, and they would, they would just uh, eat of what was grown on that land. But God is such a caring God that uh, when you read Leviticus 25, it, it also says, you know, he knew the Israelites would probably ask, hey, how is year seven going to be covered? And God says, I'll give you a bumper crop in year six that will cover you in year seven and into year eight as you start plowing. And, and, but after seven cycles of seven years, the 50th year was the year of Jubilee. And what happened in the year of Jubilee is that it was a year of release from indebtedness. If you were enslaved, if, you're, if your more property was mortgaged, all prisoners, all captives were set free. You know, slaves were, were, slavery was reversed in that setting there. And property returned to its original owner. The way I like to look at it is it's like that button on your um, phone or on your uh, computer, it says reset to factory specs. It's like everything got reset. You got a clean slate and you got to start back again. And that was, a, that was called the year of the Lord's favor. And this is a passage, like I said, pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a passage that the Lord Jesus Christ actually quotes in Luke 4, he's just starting his ministry. He's been baptized by John the Baptist. Uh, you know, he goes into the wilderness 40 days, 40 nights fast. He counters Satan's temptation. Uh, and then he's back in Nazareth and he pre he's invited to preach at the synagogue. And this is, uh, this, is what he, uh, this is what he reads in Luke 4, verse 18 on. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And, uh, and he basically said, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So this is a passage uh, that, that the Lord Jesus Christ goes back to, and it's, it's basically a season of grace that you and I are experiencing as well. This is always a reality. The people of Judah need, needed it. They needed a brand new start. They needed everything cleaned out so they could actually you know, get out of jail and restart their lives. And it's a passage that, is, that actually hits home for you and me. Because, because here's the thing. 
they were in debt, they were in captivity. We, we were born in debt, in sin debt. But Christ, through his work on the cross, released us from it. And if you look at Colossians um, chapter 2, verse 14, it says, By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. We had a sin debt, but because of the year of the Lord's favor, because of the year of grace, the season of grace, that has been cleaned out. You and I get a brand new start. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has begun. And the third point I want to make is uh, true redemption is, the, is in the Lord and it is to represent him. And I'm going to look at some, just, uh, some scriptures here. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. You know, that's, that's amazing. That's the exchange that happens on the cross, right? Our sins are taken and God's righteousness is imputed to us. And that's why we get to live in freedom. We, we, we get to experience that grace and we get to live it for him. And then out of that, what happens is to grant to those who mourn in Zion restoration and healing flow to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, there shall be, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. And we've seen, we've seen this powerfully uh, hit home with the people that we get to work with. Uh, as, as they come to the Lord, like I said, that exultant, uh, the exaltation in their salvation is instant. They're, they're sharing that with others. And, they're, and really, that is taking them through life. Because that normally, many times, is all that they will have, is, is that salvation. Is, and, but that joy of that salvation is a daily joy that we're reminded of. And ev- every one of us, you know, we've been saved, we've experienced the joy of salvation. And sometimes, as time goes on, the other areas of life begins to dim that. But the key part is always be focused on what God has done for you. So that, because that's what Paul tells us in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord. And that's what we've seen even with these people is they, they, as the garments of salvation and the robe of righteousness comes on them, we've seen the healing happen for them even though people call them something else, people put them down. Shame is gone, fear is gone, boldness comes in, and a new identity comes in. And, like it, and it says in Isaiah 6, it says, But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. So each and every one of us is a missionary. Each and every one of us represent God because we've been redeemed to represent. That's the key part. All through scripture, that's been the story. And as, Lord, as ministers, as priests of the Most High God, we get sent out in the places and spaces that God puts us to bring his hope, to bring his light, to be the salt and the light in those communities. And then part of that is as, as uh, the salvation hits home for us, as restoration and healing flows, as our identity is reinstated, there's always a purpose, right? There's a calling. It says, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. This was what the people of Judah was look, were looking forward to. And this in Christ, we get to do. Sin, that's what sin does, right? It, it ends up where there's devastations, there's ruins, um, and generations are destroyed. You and I get to connect people with the Lord so that all of that gets restored, all of that gets reactivated in the Lord. And then it's a blessed life. It says, their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of people. 
all who see them shall acknowledge them that they're an offspring the Lord has blessed. So it's again a missionary model, right? Everything God does in you and then through you is so that he would be lifted up, he would be glorified, he would be known. And that was the, the message uh, the, that was for the people of Judah and that's the, the message for you and me as well. Salvation is all you and I need from the Lord. That's the key thing. If that's all we get, that's all we need. Corrie ten Boom had a quote. You know, you'll never know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. In Jesus, you and I have everything we need. In Jesus, you and I have been redeemed. In Jesus, you and I have been deployed for missions. And so this morning, as we close, I'd like to you know, just you know, challenge you. you know, where are you at this morning? Are you, are you walking? Are you uh, experiencing that freedom? Um, that the Lord has given us uh, through what he did on the cross? Are there shackles? Uh, are, there, are there elements of sin in our lives that are holding us back? Remember, God is able to deliver. God is able to, you're still experiencing the year of the Lord's favor. The other part of Isaiah 61, verse 2, is saying there's going to be a year of the Lord's vengeance that's going to come at the second return. But in this season, as, as, as experiencing his freedom and his grace, we get to connect others into that journey, bring others into that, uh, into that field of, of that favor with the Lord. And so, you know, two things that the Lord has for us, two goals, I would say, that the Lord has in our life. One is to work in us, and, and the other one is to work through us. And that's been all the way, the, the journey of the Bible, right? It's like you get redeemed and you get deployed. And so the, even with Isaiah, if you look at Isaiah 6 and Isaiah's commissioning, you know, he gets a, he gets a view, uh, a vision of the throne room of God, uh, and he is reminded of his own fallenness and the seraphim takes a coal and kind of touches his lips kind of a, as a sign of atonement, almost a sign of redemption for him. And then the, the, the commissioning God says, you know, who, who, who should I send? Who will go for me? And Isaiah says, here, my Lord, send me. You know, for you and I, we just read Matthew 28 uh, earlier. The, the, the command is go. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lord. And we get to go. We get to be deployed in the places and spaces God puts us. And it's, it's not about just beating people with, with the Bible on their heads, but it's just talking about what God has done in your life and my life. Jesus used to do that, right? When he, when he healed somebody, when somebody was delivered, he's like, go and tell people what I've done. And so that's, that's the core. It's like, how do we... So one application I would say this morning is that what a, is, there, is there a family, is there an individual that God has already put in your life? that God is reminding you of today, that you need to connect with them, that you need to uh, build relationship, or you need to bring the gospel in that setting. Because as you look at culture today, it's not a, it's not a pretty setting. It's similar to Bible times. If you look at Corinthians, you look at Isaiah 59, all of that, right? That's still in play today. And guess what? Isaiah was sent to his generation. You and I are sent to our generation. We are God's messengers of, of the good news. We are messengers of freedom. We are messengers of grace. And we're, we're messengers of the year of the Lord's favor. We're tasked with that. We're tasked to go everywhere that God puts you. Like uh, Pastor Tim said, it, you may not go overseas, but hey, this, the, the mission field is everywhere, wherever God puts you. And so that's, that's the goal for our lives. So my prayer for all of us this morning is that may God work deeply in you so that he can work powerfully through each and every one of us. Please join me in prayer. Dear Lord, we just uh, thank you for this day that you have made. We rejoice in it. Uh, we rejoice, Lord, that we exult in the joy of the salvation. Lord, help us, keep us reminded of that, Lord. Help us, help the enemy never to dim that joy, dim that uh, fervor in our lives, Lord. But we're also reminded this morning that we've been redeemed, uh, but we've been redeemed 
to represent you, Lord, everywhere that we go, Lord. And so I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would continue to empower us, equip us, that your word would continue to just guide our steps and guide our words so that we would be just a a true uh, reflection of you everywhere that we go, Lord. We just pray for anything in our lives that are not in alignment with you, Lord. We know that by the power of your blood, Lord, we have the opportunity to be realigned with you, to be uh, completely uh, one with you, Lord. And so we thank you that you are a heavenly Father, Lord, and that we could come to you at any time, Lord. And just pray that in everything that we say and do, Lord, as believers, Lord, may you be lifted up uh, and may others see you working in and through our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.